and welcome to episode 231 of Retro Encounter RPG Fans, a podcast of usually game journals of games two years or older, um, but we're here with a special topic today. We are here to talk about mental health, self-care, and gaming. So I have here with me Lucy Gray. Hello! Alana Hayes. Hey! Joe Padilla. Howdy. And Zach Wilkerson. Hi there. And we're all very, very excited to talk about this topic. We've had a lot of discussion amongst ourselves and amongst the staff for a long time. Um, so why don't we get started by, we're basically we're going to get into some specific games um, and we're going to mostly have a discussion here, um, but we brought up ideas like self-care, stress, trauma and grief and various characters you've identified with. So we're going to kind of look at it from those angles and discuss some specific games. But first, why don't we go around and kind of say why we were drawn to this topic? Why don't we start with you, Alana? I mean, as of like, I think I always played video games because I thought like I was trying to get away from something. Like not kind of necessarily as a mental health escape or things like that. That's a really poor way of putting it, but I just played them because I enjoyed playing them. And it wasn't really until I got to my 20s where I thought, oh, you know what? I want to go home and do this. I had a really bad day. I want to play, I don't know, uh, Guilty Gear or Soul Calibur or something. Just beat something up a little bit and just let out some stress or (laughs) even something a little bit more complex. Like, um, I guess we'll get into it, but like if I've had a really bad day and something, I play something and it makes me feel really good, then I'm like, oh, wow, okay, there's actually a really good reason that I actually sit down and play these things. So I think as I've gone older, um, I guess my mental health has been a bit rockier personally um, throughout my 20s. And so I find myself more drawn to characters and stories that are really good at either being kind or like talking a character or walking them through a process like grief or um like trying to get through ptsd or something or just any kind of mental health issue and it really helps me connect with a video game more than maybe just a oh i'm gonna save the world i'm gonna kill god ah! and then um, <laughs> you know i just think that as i've grown up to understand myself a little bit more and understand why i play games i think that mental health i think it's getting better it's an interesting time in video games because you have that mix between indie developers who have all of the you know they can take risks they can explore mental psyche and issues and acts of kindness in different ways where if you've got big budget games which are not as good at doing it they're getting better um but they don't want to take those risks quite yet and i think it's an interesting time to watch both of them develop Definitely. Yeah. I mean, they have a pretty set formula and they have returns, specific returns and specific things they're looking for a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I definitely think you are, you are not alone in that, especially talking about kind of the development process. And as we age, we, you know, we have more responsibilities, mm-hmm. we have learned a little bit more like what we need when we're in, <laughs> when we're in those times of lower mental health or having a tough time so yeah that's great how about you lucy well i mean mental health is a big part of what i do beyond the site i'm a a special education teacher and actually certain just got certified as a mental health uh, first aid responder um for my school and 
the interesting thing for me is I deal with a lot of kids in crisis, and one of the big things that often is a topic that we use as a bridge for them to start talking to me is video games. You know, besides the fact they go, what, you're a teacher and you play video games? What? <laughs> um... <laughs> For a lot of kids and for a lot of people, video games are a way of not having to deal with their own problems for a while and deal with set problems that they can um, easily solve. And games don't look at uh, people judgmentally. They're very non-judgmental. They don't... Uh, they aren't going to treat you any differently than they're going to treat somebody else. And... For me in particular, um, video games are a way for helping with my own mental health. Um, when things start seeming really overwhelming, it's sometimes fun to just pop up Stardew and go, okay, I'm going to play a day, I can do my crops, that's going to get me through the day. And just that little bit helps me um, go a little bit farther and feel a little more in control of my life, which is a big, big uh, thing for a lot of people. Yeah, I'd say that I agree with that personally. One of the two main reasons I play, I think, I will add, though, that I, I do feel judged when I play the Dark Souls games. <laughs> <laughs> At least I'm just judging myself. I mean, that's not something like... Yeah, I mean, do you have it around and make you judge yourself? <laughs> do you also feel judged playing certain routes in Undertale? Oh, oh, oh yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> Way more than others. That's true. All right. And we'll get into specific games shortly. But how about you, Joe? Yeah, um... So I was really interested in this because I think part of it is me uh, wanting to understand what's a what's a healthy way to engage with video games. Because um, I think at some times in my life I've been like, yes, this is good. This has been uh, this has been a positive experience um, that is uh, that is helping me get through life in a quote unquote healthy way. And there are times where I think that I'm using video games to distract myself from things that are more difficult to face. Um, and so I'm really kind of, um, I'm really interested in the times where, um, like positive experiences of engagement are really what I'm trying to look for with games. Um, and, I think it's so important with mental health because there are some um, there are some games that I think have been um, really uh, helpful in kind of helping me piece together certain aspects of my life or to connect more with the world around me. Um, so I think it's a really important topic, and I think it's something that also doesn't get the credit that it deserves because of. Um, kind of how people view people who play games. Um, there's this there's this um, kind of put on of childishness or something like that that goes along with games a lot of the time. Um, and I, I think it's completely unfair to say that. So, um, so changing that narrative and presenting them as these holistic experiences, um, regardless of what exactly they are, I think is really important. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a large range of experiences, and hopefully we're going to 
talked about some really good ones today, but also <laughs> it's it's a very personal thing too, finding that balance, what amounts of what games have seemed to help me, what do I need, what do I not need. <clears throat> so that's great. All right. How about you, Zach? I, my answer echoes a lot of what um, really everyone has said. I'm, I, I don't deal with mental health issues in my profession quite as much as Lucy does, but I am a teacher. And, um, you know, it's, free, it's amazing to me how often I see students who struggle to connect and struggle to engage, um, you know, on their Switch playing Breath of the Wild. And if I sit down and have a conversation with them, like and the way that I'm able to engage with them as a result, and also just the way that you can see them working through um, issues by playing. Uh, Breath of the Wild is the one I think of because I have like five students this year who play Breath of the Wild all the time, um, <laughs> which is a good choice, I think. Um, but for me too, uh, you know, it, again, it, uh, as a person who struggles with my own mental health issues and the ideas of accomplishment, um, you know, for me, I always think about the idea that there are certain games in my life that have come by at just the right time. Um, and I, I will talk about Nier Automata more later. Shocker. I'm going to talk about Nier Automata. Um, but it, the idea of the right game and the right time for me and the way that different ways of experiencing narratives and sort of immersing myself in them has helped me process trauma or grief um, or difficulty um, has been really important for me. So I, I agree with what Joe said about the idea of games being um a childish exercise when in fact I think that they help me deal with the most difficult things even more than I'm an English teacher even more than books sometimes wow that says a lot <laughs> okay well thank you all for sharing that um, before we move on and maybe talk about some of these experiences and specific games I just have a few I call them disclaimers in the in the show notes but a few things to mention um, the first of which is none of what we're going to say is meant as medical advice. If, you know, we're going to be talking about something to help us personally. Um, so if you listeners are having a difficult time, please reach out and find professionals or professional resources that work for you. Also, everyone's different. So what works for one of us may not necessarily work for other people. Two, everything in moderation. Gaming provides some great benefits, but it shouldn't interfere with your life activities your life your life and that can be very important to keep in mind in the context of mental health we've already kind of hinted at you know sometimes it's the right time and this is helpful but how much is too much that kind of thing so keep that in mind three um this is a resource that, that lucy added um if you're in a crisis situation and you are having thoughts of suicide or know someone who is please remember that the national suicide prevention hotline is 1-800-273-8255 or Anytime you can text seven four one seven four one. Okay. Having said that, um, does anybody have a specific game they want to discuss first, or a specific experience? Well, I want, kind of want to bring back to what Zach was talking about in his uh, thing because I found that Breath of the Wild is, as just as he said, it's one of those games that a lot of people seem to focus back on as one of those. Um, for I found for a lot of uh, folks, including myself, that Breath of the Wild was really a wonderful space to explore and has been an easy way to connect with people, but also that because it you are sort of exploring the world and you can do as you, you sort of you want, it's a really nice space to sort of... There are small tasks you can do and not have to worry about the bigger picture. I know some, at least two of my students, who spent all of their time 
doing the itty bitty teeny tiny quests and finding Korok seeds, uh, and we're like, main quest? What? What main quest? <laughs> I just like uh, chopping down trees. <laughs> I think there's a real shift to that, isn't there? Breath of the Wild is a really good example. And I think any open world game, I think nowadays games have a tendency to allow you to take things at your own pace. So you have those open worlds where you can just, you know, I'm a big fan of taking pictures and video games and sharing them online at the moment. And to, to make the time to do that, to appreciate the scenery, like you would go outside for a walk and take pictures and... I don't know, take a picnic. I don't know what people do now. Um, and um, you do the same, like you can do the same thing in a video game, like Breath of the Wild again is a fantastic example because you've got like a different weather cycles. You've got day and night. You've got different creatures. You've got the dragons that fly around. So every time you go somewhere, you can stop and see something different, whether it's what's around you. And it's just, it, and the music as well works really well together because it's just that moment where you can sit and breathe. And sometimes you just leave it the screen on or you pause it and you let things play through and it's it's just a release and i think again like something in particular with rpgs that i really latch onto is all those itty bitty side quests that you can do like no i will collect all of those like coins or corks or whatever and it makes me feel and i think we'll come back to this with probably another game and lucy's already mentioned stardew valley um like the minutiae and the kind of day-to-day mundane stuff quote unquote that you would do in everyday life it it helps me to again organize my life and make me feel like I'm doing something structured in something open world because open world games are really scary and I think giving it structure through some little side quests or something like that it really helps me to tackle it in a kind of piece by piece way which in turn makes me think oh this problem's really big how can I tackle it in ways A, B, C, D or break it up in another way so yeah I know I'm latching onto that a little bit but I think open worlds and are a really nice way, especially just relaxing in them. I'd love to go and live in Hyrule and Breath of the Wild, even if it is an apocalypse, technically. You know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a I pretty one. It's a beautiful environment, and you all of you just mentioned a couple of things that are really kind of hitting home with me, so I'm studying to take my boards as an occupational therapist, and you just mentioned two things that are very, very notable to me. One, mm. the environment. You guys are all talking about being able to enjoy that and share it with other people for Breath of the Wild and, and also task analysis, sort of the idea that there are some big problems or some big stories and large goals, you know, save the world, That that's pretty daunting, but a lot of these games that we have found useful, I think, have that goal that will give you a real sense of accomplishment, that kind of big goal, but then also something on the macro level so that you can build toward that goal and feel accomplished and or break it, break the bigger tasks down. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I realize how important side quests are until I really feel engaged with them. Like you can throw all the fetch quests in the world at me, but you stick a collecting side quest in front of me and I am gone for 40, 50 hours, regardless of what game it is. Like collectathon platformers. You stick the strawberries in Celeste in front of me. I won't get every damn strawberry, even if it takes me like four or five playthroughs. Did you really? Uh, That's amazing. Uh, oh, nearly. God. Nearly. Uh, I did not do that at oh, all. No. I, I, I managed to get to it without a system mode. That was the only thing that mattered to me. Yeah, I got to the DLC without a system mode, and then once I got to the DLC, I was like, I'm going to try to assist with this um, 
but yeah, I did not try to get the strawberries because <laughs> I'm I'm not very good at platformers, and that was so. And that is a very very difficult platformer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's why I play a lot of platformers, because those 90s platformers where you collect all the gems or the dragons or the eggs or the things or the jiggies, <laughs> they just give me that structure that I really like. Like, oh, how many do I need to get to open this door? Oh, another 20? That's fine. I can do that. And it's just a nice goal-based structure and makes everything feel a bit more digestible, I think. I think something that goes kind of into Celeste and also um, touches a bit on um, why I put the, the Souls game in Souls games in our Google Doc is that in these worlds, in these immersive worlds, um, because there's, it's basically like intelligent design, like there are these um, crafted quests and things like that. Um, there's always there's kind of always a guarantee that someone has made something for you to stumble on and i think everyone kind of in in some fashion everyone has this sense of exploration in them they're always looking to find something discover something um and and when when you're out in when you're out in the physical world um that doesn't always happen because sometimes there's just like Sometimes there's an indistinct twig next to a tree and that's it. <laughs> that's that's all there is. And um in a game like in a game like The Witcher in Souls games, you go down a wrong path and that path isn't actually wrong because something um quite interesting has just happened. Um you've uh triggered some sort of response um from this uh crafted world. And I think that can sometimes shift our perspective of real life a little bit, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which can be helpful. Yeah, it's like guaranteed, uh, it's like kind of guaranteed um, satisfaction for your, um, for your uh, wonder and exploration. Yeah, you get a sense of reward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... My next question is, what what's everyone's go-to game for self-care? When you say, all right, I, I need to take care of myself, I'm going to play a game. Well, I mean, this is going up after the 20th of March, so I'm going to say Animal Crossing New Horizons <laughs> right now. <laughs> That's, I've, I've heard that from a lot of people. <laughs> but I guess on a similar vein, um, any kind of farming sim or Stardew Valley in particular, and for similar reasons I've already said, but... I think another thing that makes Stardew Valley stand out for me is how nice it is. And it's not a horrible game. Nothing horrible happens in it. Everybody has got every single character in that game. You can build, there's basically, for those who don't know, um, you move into a farm that was owned by your grandfather and you move next to this town. The farm's a bit rough and the town's folk are a bit, oh, hey, welcome, you're a new farmer. Um, you can build relationships with all of the characters in this town. I think there's over 20 of them. I can't remember off the top of my head. I think I remember 28 in the introductions. To that sounds about right. Yeah. Um, so you can have romantic relationships with half of them, regardless of 
their gender and yours and um you but you can also build up friendships with every single person in that village and every single person in that village has a different mountain to climb or obstacle no matter how big or small it is i mean you have things like shane's alcoholism and other issues that he has and you have elliot's desire to want to be a writer and he struggles with getting sometimes getting his ideas down on paper so you have all different problems big and small personal and you can deal with them and talk to them and, you know, build up this really nice and kind relationship. And there's nobody has ever mocked for having any of their problems, even you or, and it's just, it's lovely to work through. Like I'm always a focuser on the farming side of things, but I'm always pleasantly surprised when I think, oh, you know what? I'm going to go give Harvey a coffee today. And then he pulls me to one side and we have like a cut scene and he talks me through something. I'm like, oh, this is really good. Like it's really heartwarming and nice to see and thoughtful and like so much of Stardew Valley comes together. Like Harvest Moon's really great for the kind of getting married and having like kids and building up the farm, but Stardew Valley deals with the human side of things a lot better and or a lot more rounded, I would say. Like the characters all feel real and very relatable and it's nice to make you feel like I don't. I, this is, I don't want to say it like this, but like you're helping people, and it helps you in return. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's not. It's not like that because I know it's not really the most ideal way of putting it. But it's nice to feel like that you're not alone in having those problems, and because you've seen someone else or you've helped them, you might be able to go away and take something away from it. Maybe I'm not sure, but yeah, I just Study Valley is like. Study Valley is my tonic, basically. Like, I will go to it if I've had a rubbish day. And I will probably accidentally play it for about six hours as well. So. <laughs> no, I completely agree with that. And uh, again, Stardew Valley is also one of my go-to games. Um, but two things to, uh, that I want to jump off on, what you said was that uh, particularly one that Stardew Valley deals with real human problems and makes them solvable and mm -hmm. for a lot of people who are dealing with things that aren't solvable in their life that can be a really big help you know in somewhat some way you're you you're getting steps going towards a solution um the game's very open-ended and uh, for some of these problems and you don't see the full resolution but you get people to a better place which i think i'm thinking mm. of shane yes i'm thinking of shane yeah exactly um where you know he's not 100 percent better but at the same time you know if you get to the top cutscene, yeah you talks, can see his trajectory you see his trajectory um and also the stardew valley you know doesn't put pressure on you to play it a certain way so that i feel like particularly for me like i the first time I played it, I did do the romance route, but ever, uh, every single playthrough since, I've actually like said, nope, not going to do the romance route. I'm going to be friends with everybody, but <laughs> I'm not going to. I don't. I like being independent, and it's nice that there are you can play it in so many different ways, and that you know, even though it is, you know, each day can take you about. 20 minutes at, um, about you're not feeling like you have to do a certain thing each and every day that you there's variations there are ways that you can play that make it a little more customizable to yourself than say Harvest Moon was and yeah. I think it's really important for me in particular is that 
yeah, I can play it for six hours and be like, oh my god. But at the same time, if I only can play it for, like, I'm in the midst of writing six gazillion reports, I can play it for 20 minutes, turn it off and go, okay, that was a nice break, and then get mm-hmm. back into my real life feeling a little bit better, but not feeling bad that I only had 20 minutes to play it. Right, yeah, I completely agree with that. It's nice to just... There's so many things that we cover as a site that you cannot just play for 20 minutes and go, oh, I've done now there. Like, everything requires heavy concentration, whereas this is just like... Yeah, it's just nice. Yeah, and it's nice that it's in those little discrete blocks of time. I think a lot done in 20 minutes as well. It, it's true. And and I, I want to echo what Lucy said. That Stardew Valley is definitely a game that gives you kind of a, a sense of agency. Like, there's some guidance. Like you can kind of pick ways to get bonuses for certain things, certain paths, like fishing, get more treasure while fishing, or get more from crab pots. You know, you can kind of tailor it a little bit, but at the same time, you're still free to choose. It's a good, it's a good amount of guidance, I would say, and you can kind of choose what you want to focus on. I've been making clothes with the Centoan machine in the late <laughs> It's so good. Meanwhile, I've been going down to the mines and finding all the pepperexes I can possibly find. Yes! And it also makes it easy to share with other people. Like, I've noticed a, f- a few friends of mine that play it, we've when that update came out, we all discovered different things first and shared them with each other. Like, oh, did you know that this character lets you grow tea? No, I didn't know that. Here, did you know you get a cool dinosaur hat if you put this thing in the sewing machine? What? What? <laughs> if you put a dinosaur egg in the in the uh, sewing machine, you get a dinosaur hat. You're welcome, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I just got a dinosaur egg and I hatched it, though. But you'll get more. That's true. I will now. I'm, I'm, I've never played Stardew Valley, so I am um, very confused uh, about all this. I, I, I understand. I understand how the I understand how the game works and such. And um, there's the Mike's the extent of my knowledge on it is that there's a chapter in Jason Schreier's Blood, Sweat, and Pixels um, that covers um, Eric Baroni's development. Eric Barone, Baroni. I think um, I don't know, yeah. Um, his development of Stardew Valley and um, talks about his mental health as well and like how he managed to make it and and everything. Really, yeah, if really that's my favorite chapter in that book. Um, and if you haven't read that book, highly recommend it. Yeah, um, me too. It's a good pick, actually. Yeah, um, sounds like a good resource. Yeah. Um, for, for me, I don't have a... I don't have a like a game that I go to for um, self care, which. Uh, <laughs> but um, it, for for me, um, a lot of what kind of gives me gratification is um, is sticking with something and like working through it from beginning to end in um, in a certain period of time, and so I do this with. Um, I do this with books, with games, and with um, with like TV shows and such. Um, is that if I start something, I just work my way. Um, I work my way through it, and it's very rare that I'll drop a book or show or a game. Um, 
because for me it's um it, it feels like progress um it feels like progress to me because a lot of times in life i feel like i can't progress uh, progress in in some fashion in something that i'm working on whether that's in a career um whether that's in like friendships and relationships whether that's um in just understanding more about myself and i'm like oh i think i'm kind of at a roadblock here and so having that feeling that i started this and i made it through it and now i can put it back on my shelf and look back fondly on it um is kind of really it's really powerful for me like i on days where i um on days where i complete a um a game or a book like for the next 24 hours my mood is generally just really good i i feel in a really good spot um and i'm reflecting on it i'm thinking about it a lot and that really helps me get through um some really difficult days well that's great and it's good that you've kind of learned that that's a good habit for you yeah, I think so. There's some there's sometimes where I'm like rushing to finish a game because I'm like, give me that serotonin or whatever, <laughs> like uh, give me or give me that dopamine hit, you know. Um, and yeah, that's yeah, that is that is how I played uh that's how I played Wild Arms three. I would not recommend that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. A long game to do that with, yeah. What's that? It's a long game to do that with. Oh yeah, it was. Anyway, <laughs> but but yeah, it's. So I, everyone kind of goes at it in a in a different way, and so for some people it's a, a game, and uh, and for some people it's kind of a feeling they get from kind of regardless of what it could be. Yeah, I mean to jump off your point a little bit about like taking like taking your time and playing at your own pace and like getting from beginning to end. I think Metroidvanias are really good at that because again, you're not really pushed to go in a particular direction. Um, and then you don't have to like, there's no need to rush that game. There's no need to rush symphony of the night because, Oh, what if I go into this crack or what if I go down this path? And it goes back to your soul's born point as well. Like the twig by the tree. Like if you go back somewhere, there's going to be something really interesting there to discover. And I really like just scouring over these maps time and time again just to see what I've missed and where I could possibly go and I always take my time on these kinds of games because I just enjoy filling up the map so much um, and then completing it like there's such a gratification of coming off of any Castlevania game or any like metroidvania and saying you have 200 percent of the map and i'm just like yes that's what i want i'm going to play it again and do exactly the same thing and it's like why would you do that because i love doing it that's why it just makes me feel so good yeah. that i can go back and re-explore and you know i'll notice the same thing sure but it just is nice to get that gratification yeah it's, it's kind of a combination of exploration and that completion that, that joe was talking about mm. And and um, I th- I think kind of also um, I think it's a really good point. And it with the the Souls games, it's um, it's kind of going back to this like um, like certainty in in your efforts um, mm-hmm. because like I could put a lot of work into um, and you know it's it's difficult to to think about these things sometimes. But I'm like I can put a lot of work into um, kind of gunning for this job that I really want and um, and then it doesn't work out and you're like 
and you're just really um, upset about it. But with um, with Souls games, they're you know very difficult, and I'm not the most like I'm not I don't have great twitch reflexes or um, or I'm not the 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 quickest draw or something like that. But I know that if I keep trying, if I level up a character more or something like that, I will eventually get it. And that there will be forward momentum where at other points in life, um, you can put a lot of work into something and it just, uh, it just, just doesn't, uh, it just doesn't work out for you and that's life and that's fine. But, um, but it's nice to have something where you're certain to progress in some way. Yeah, you're never discouraged from trying anything, are you? Like, even though some bosses are easier with certain classes, and like, there's always a way around it, I think, with mm-hmm. anything in Soulsborne games. Yeah, and I think mm-hmm. the way you can, there's more than one way to solve a problem, usually. Like, there's some great examples of using the environment to get through difficult parts of the map in Souls games, and or. And one of the, the other main things I've heard said about them is, yeah, it's frustrating, but it's it's frustrating to that kind of sweet spot where you're proud of yourself when you figure it out. It's not too much. It's fair. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, you don't always get that in, in life. No, not at all. <laughs> I, I, I'm sort of interesting in, in sort of contrast to all four of you, I think. Um, like for me, I'd say that my comfort food game is Dragon Quest. Um, and a lot, there are a lot of reasons for it. I kind of feel like for me, I want to have a curated experience uh, when I'm struggling with something. Like I feel like there's a lot of things sort of moving on around me and there are a lot of decisions I have to make or a lot of different things that I have to deal with. And if I play Dragon Quest, I know that a couple of things are going to happen. One is... It's not going to be overly difficult or challenging if I put the time in, as Joe was saying, that that is helpful for me. But also it's going to be like sort of a a light, breezy, sort of delightful experience. So that's why I go back to those games so often, because I just want something that is going to um, just feel nice um, and not make me make a ton of decisions. Uh, and maybe it's because I was sort of raised on very linear experiences, but there's something very comforting about that for me as opposed to an open world game if i'm really struggling and i'm already overwhelmed i'm like oh i have all these choices and i'm already overwhelmed and so it makes me more overwhelmed whereas with something like dragon quest i feel like i can um you you know know what i'm supposed to do yeah that's a perfectly valid point and i think that speaks to video games as a medium in an interesting way that you can kind of based on what you think you need pick that sort of experience Uh Dragon Quest is so warm as well. Like yeah. I look at Dragon Quest games and I just smile sometimes. It's just, it's great. It's true. The slimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're so cute. So going back, I'm kind of curious, and if anyone wants to continue talking about self care types of experiences, that's fine. But that leads me to kind of wonder if if you're stressed. Do you typically seek out some of those kind of warmer feeling games, some of those fuzzy experiences, or do you want to something a little bit more like a fighting game where you can kind of get things out? What What are your preferences there? I mean, for me, it just sort of depends. Um, you know, I mentioned Near Automata earlier, and I, the idea of uh, mentioning that as a self care game or as like a something <laughs> where I'm stressed it might seem outrageous to people. But you know, I my worldview in general, and I guess I'm maybe giving some things away about myself here, is very dark in general um, in, in terms of what I think about trying to seek meaning in things and seeking meaning in 
philosophy or religion or whatever. Um, and I think that game looks that idea squarely in the face. Um, it says like, hey, I see you. I see the way you think. And mm-hmm. hey, there's still hope. Um, and, and so for me, it just depends. Um, you know, sometimes Dragon Quest is that thing that I want to do. Or if I'm having a particularly dark moment, I actually want something that says like, hey, I acknowledge that. And let's try to see what you can do about that. Right. Yeah. Um, one thing I always come back to about like identity and an identity crisis, I suppose, which I guess isn't really, I mean, it is tangential. Um, I always think about the not alone sequence from Final Fantasy Nine, where Zidane, yeah. where Zidane is having a mental crisis if he doesn't know who he is and all his friends come together and to kind of help him and he pushes them away and pushes them away. And it's not until Dagger comes along and like helps him that he realizes how selfish he's being. And it's that moment where he's like, no, hang on a minute. I can do this because I've got everybody around me. And that, that was one, even as a kid, like that was one of the things that made me think, oh my God, you know, friends are important and they will listen to you and they'll help you. A true friend will come and help you. And it's like, sometimes I will go directly to those things that I am scared about and will play them and to try and understand how I'm thinking. Um, I'm trying to think of, this is maybe more coincidental um, than actually the like, being something I directly ran into, but um, and maybe maybe not a slight warning or anything, but potentially if anyone else has gone through something similar. Um, a couple of summers ago, my dad passed away, and I was going through. I hadn't really grieved, and I hadn't really processed it properly, so I was playing Persona Three around the same time for the first time, and I got to October. And anyone who's played Persona Three knows what happens in October to a certain character. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think the bit that hit me most. Um, was um Akihiko um after spoilers um it was it was the kind of thing where he was standing alone in the gym and he just broke down like Akihiko is pretty solid as a character he's kind of not macho but he's definitely like the stereotypical male character and he shows this like wavering vulnerability and the way he dealt with that death like made me tick like oh my god it kind of taught me how to grieve a little bit and this is me like 21 22 and i was like yeah i it just it just hit me like it really brought it out to me and i had to like come away from the game and i remember quite specifically thinking about that moment and thinking about how i dealt with that my the death in my own family and i was like i didn't react like that was that right and i'm like no it's the way you deal with things and then it hit me like weeks later and i just cried and cried and cried about it and i was like no i needed that i needed to see that bit i needed to see that bit of vulnerability in another character to realize that you know you can grieve however you want but you will have those days where you just you have to grieve you have to just let something go and let it all out and so like even though it was accidental it was like a really important thing for me to know that sometimes it's worth going head on to these problems and going oh hang on a minute yeah i feel this or i understand that or wait how do i process this and then something will come along and will be like this is how we've done it or this is how this we've interpreted this situation how do you do it does this help me um, i read it like does this help me at all and sometimes yes sometimes no sometimes usually it gives me a little bit more insight but like i think that death scene and the timeliness of it it's not insensitive word but if you know what i mean um like it just helped me in that particular moment so sometimes 
I do go out and deliberately seek out like if I some there's a thing isn't there where like if you're if you and your friends are having a bad day you will put on a really soppy Netflix film we'll get ice cream and cry together and I feel like it's a really similar thing for me with video games like I will you know oh my god you know I'm having a really bad time I'm like oh hang on a minute why don't you watch your favorite character die and mourn over them or something like (laughs) terrible and I'm just like do you know what I needed that release it helps me sometimes yeah it's kind of similar to people occasionally seeking out in like a sad book or a sad movie yeah I wouldn't maybe necessarily recommend it always, but sometimes it does help me. Like, I'm just, I'm not very good at showing my emotions around certain people. So, like, sometimes I have to do it in private and sometimes I'm rubbish at doing it in private. But at least if I'm using this thing to help a little bit, then I feel a little bit better, even if maybe it's not the right answer all the time. I think it's worth it. It it benefits me in a way, certain things. Yeah. And I would also point out that what I. I really liked that scene in, in Persona 3. I also liked that in Persona 4, it dealt with death in a different way, where it, ha- it talked about um, with one of the um, social links with Naoki uh, Konishi, the younger brother of one of the characters who dies in the be- uh, oh, in yeah. beginning. It talks about how he struggles with it and how people have these expectations of how he's supposed to be right and how he's supposed to be and everybody sort of how he his own emotions about um how people are treating him and how confused he is about the whole situation uh, really resonated with me um when i was playing it at the time um because my grandpa uh, grandmother had recently passed and then mm. it was this weird situation for me and it really resonated with me and it felt nice that they were showing that sometimes you don't have all the answers and that you can get frustrated and you can feel really um you can feel angry at loss and still and that's still okay Yeah, that's a really good example, actually. I remember feeling similarly. I hadn't been through anything in particular. I think I lost my grandfather a lot, a long time before that. But I remember thinking, I didn't know whether it was because I was so young at the time, like I was nine or 10, but like I, again, I didn't really cry over any of it. And it's those kinds of scenes that make you think there's not a right way to do it. You'll have a time when you do grieve or you do feel sad or angry and things but that social link i remember i don't know whether i maxed out i can't remember but i remember being pretty gripped by it definitely for those reasons yeah all those are really powerful reminders that grief is an individual process there um they're kind of two games that um that i played semi-recently that i think were um really helpful with um, kind of processing things that were going on in life. Um, one is Greece, uh, the the kind of artsy uh, platformer, which I didn't know. I just had seen the art style and I knew generally what it, um, what it looked like and how it played going into it. Um, and um, at the time I was having a really difficult time um, with opening up to others um and kind of like um at the time i was um in the process of like coming out 
as transgender to people in my life, um, but I wasn't public about it. Um, and that game kind of deals with grief in this very, um, in this way of, it's very, it's difficult to explain, but it is kind of like saying goodbye to, uh, to yourself in the past, or it might be another person. And that really kind of helped me, um, with that process and with, um, kind of accepting a past that I didn't feel was no longer, um, adequate or was actually my experience. Um, and a lot of the game is about, um, it's recoloring, um, your world and refining a voice that you had lost or perhaps that hadn't even been there before. Um, and so like a week and a half after I played that game, I like had publicly come out and that was really, um, really powerful, really helpful to me. And I wasn't expecting that going into this game. I was like, Oh, this is going to be pretty. <laughs> I did not know that that was about that at all, actually. Well, that was the reading that you took from that because yeah, I, I'm looking at Greece. I look at Greece in the same way that you probably did in that it is a gorgeous game. That's probably quite meditative and it's mm-hmm. not fast paced, is it? Or no, no, yeah. it's, I mean, it's, it's only a f- about a four or five hour game, okay. but it's, um, but no, it is rather there's there isn't any dialogue really, and it's just okay. it, it is rather meditative. Yeah. Um, and and with and with that, like shortly after that, I was like, okay, I have this, so I'm open about this now. I want to like I want to form more close relationships with people and like let people in more. Now that they know this about me, like let people in to my life. Um, and a game that helped me with that was the world ends with you. Ooh. Ooh, Um, which through its gameplay mechanics, which if you're playing that in its, um, original form on, um, on DS, um, the combat is absolute is kind of a headache. Um, but it's because it's all about connection. You can't win fights if you're just trying to use the bottom screen and using one character. Um, it really communicates that communication and synchronization with another person is really difficult, but it's so rewarding. And that um, kind of the, the title of the game says it all. And the world, if you believe, if you create something so insular that other people um, won't be able to penetrate that Um, the world does end with you. It's all kind of, it's a room that you live in and don't leave. Um, But the more you can trust others and expand that world out, um, you can, you can, you can beat the final boss of the game. You can, you can make inroads in life and truly start living with other people in a way. Sounds like a great message. This got me thinking of a few more games that function that way. And one of them is actually Journey, I think. I mean, I know you can mm. get through that yourself, but I think it was a much more eye-opening experience for me just because of the way they introduce working with other people and the way you can surprisingly be helped by others. Yeah, definitely. 
and I'm also thinking of my my recent first MMO experience in Final Fantasy 14. I would not have gotten very far without other people, and they're pretty enjoyed. <laughs> no, thanks, Hillary. Shout <laughs> <laughs> out. No, no way we take down that first that first turn of the coil without each other. <laughs> That's a good point, though, because I think. MMOs over the 2000s built up a quite a big reputation of being fairly inaccessible and fairly like expert heavy and there were probably there were definitely people who were there to help you and you would need people to help you get through certain things but there was definitely this stigma that put me off of getting into them throughout the 2000s like in Final Fantasy 14 I played it as well for a bit and I played it with friends at the time um and they basically carry, they didn't carry me through the game, but they were like, oh, let me know when you're on and we'll help you. and We'll do this and we'll do that. We always want to do stuff with you. And are you going to run roulettes? Oh, we'll help you as well. It's fine. They were always there. And like it was always my choice if I wanted them to come along or not. And yeah, I absolutely wouldn't have gotten through Heaven's Ward as quick as I did. I mean, it, I this was still talking like three, four hundred hours probably by the time I'd gotten to where I was. Um, but like, yeah, if I hadn't had them, I would have been totally clueless and really lost. So, and they make you feel like a team player as well. Like the FC that I was a part of, we were all pretty close knit. We would get together. We had bonding ceremonies and stuff like that, and took stupid pictures and you know did stupid poses and seasonal events. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I think Final Fantasy fourteen is a really good example because I think it's that is one of the RPGs that. MMOs that has kind of broken that stigma, which is a bad stigma to have and it's probably untrue, unfortunately perpetrated by like um, online forums and things, but it's def- you don't really hear that about Final Fantasy XIV. It's, it's dense but it's very beginner-friendly with the beginner's hall and things like that and the little, and the characters who have like the leaf sapling next to them. or, or it's, like You can t- identify who a new player is, but you never see anybody going up to new players like you know, and taunting them or bullying them or anything like that. And you've also got the mentors as well, which is always really helpful. So, yeah. yeah. I think they have a pretty good community system, which is mm. important because if connection is one of the things you, you look for, especially when you're stressed, you can definitely find it there. My one, I think, one experience with a random, more veteran player was actually them coming up to my friend and I and being like, oh, you're new. Here, have a have a minion. Let me, let me know if you need help. It was very sweet. Aww, very nice. Cute. That happened when I first started the game too, but I got overwhelmed and I logged off. <laughs> no, it is, it is pretty daunting. It is indeed. Yeah, yeah they're, they're like, oh, here's this and um, we can help, help you go through quests and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, thank you, but I, I'm... Uh... <laughs> I just logged off and then the person saw me in the world like a week later and they were like, hey, what? what uh, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I just... I just got really overwhelmed, but like, really, Aww. you guys are very sweet. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's another thing about it. Like, you you can log off. You can take it at your own pace. I'm going more slowly, I know, than some some other people in our group. That's <laughs> true. Yeah, <laughs> that might be me. <laughs> um, okay, so. Before the next big topic area that I'm curious about is if anyone has specific characters they identify with in RPGs for mental health or self-care purposes. Um, but before that, does anyone have any other games they want to mention? 
I mean, I feel like Undertale has to be brought up, doesn't it, in some way? It's been a few yeah. years since I've played it properly, but I, I've i been thinking about this a lot. I've been thinking about it with Trails in the Sky and Estelle being a very positive influence and in a character who, as brash as she is, is always nice and doing things for the right and the good. And Undertale is a game that is nice or can be nice and promotes being nice you know the way you're supposed to play it is by doing one playthrough by not really killing a lot or not killing anything ideally and then you beat the game again and then if you wish you can go through it and kill everything and it really makes you feel that and it is the biggest like i i cried throughout the whole of the like pacifist route because it's just so well written and so, the characters are so well rounded in that game and it's so like it promotes being nice like at the end of the day you know the monsters and the and the humans don't get on because of this one horrible incident that happened and you're a human being nice to all of these monsters and it, it, it just it's a reparation of relationships between two different um races and two different locations and things like that but like if you do that if you play the genocide route after the pacifist route god it rips your heart out so badly like oh my goodness has anybody here actually done that I yes wasn't able to oh i, I, I <laughs> no way no way <laughs> i've got to get the completion you know like oh, man. About completion. <laughs> i was really interested in it and i think when i uh, rob fenner wrote our review and kind of hinted towards how different it was um if you did it that way and i was really stunned and interested to see how it worked and it works and not only does it work oh it remembers so you beat genocide run you can never ever 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 do a pacifist run ever again and it will always remember flowey at the beginning will always remind you of what you did and that is on my steam account at some point so you know i'll live with the shame and carry on but i think it was just interesting for me to see how it dealt with like the being nice to being nasty um uh, but yeah, Under Undertale's got some really good characters who go again through some really good like character arcs and relationships. So yeah. yeah. That game does a really beautiful job of illustrating the two groups and it is it is really heartwarming seeing all these really colorful characters and their reactions to you if you go through the first time, like like you said, you know, as a pacifist, just mm. if you show that you are willing to you know be their friend just how they react to that is so beautiful it's so sweet and then the way it can just completely change and how i guess you're in full control of that yeah i don't think enough video games promote being nice um i think when you're given the option to be good like say the mass effect paragon renegade thing people are always drawn to renegade but even when you're a paragon it's not like you're the virtue of innocence you've done everything perfectly oh you know i'm going to buy you a box of chocolates today oh my name my like my neighbor needs some help let me go and help them and things like that um there's always like a certain kind of heroism about them or like something supernatural about them um whereas there are not many video games that make you come across as just like a normal nice person and i know undertale is not like the perfect example because you are a human in a group of monsters and you do do some pretty insane things in that game even on the pacifist route um 
there is no way you'd be able to get through some of that game in real life with the bizarre things that happen but i think that it's nice to have a human kind perception of a character in a video game rather than them being nice and being revered for being like a guardian or a good person like you know stardew valley again you know you can help people then you know yeah and and you do do get appreciated you know you get that like 500 gold occasionally from mayor lewis but it never gets to the point of like you are the guardian of stardew valley (laughs) yeah and that's all but it's also when you bring up a good point that game you know games aren't real life so in some ways that when we are dealing with things that are so overwhelming and such it's not a bad thing to have something where you are appreciated for something and Mm. you feel like you are making a difference because in, in times of stress for some people having that feeling of accomplishment and feeling that um appreciation is what they need yeah it's yeah. very interesting how with these games we've discussed you can access those extremes if you need to if you really really need to vent you can go complete renegade um, <laughs> if if you need to if you need to feel appreciated you can be a paragon so do we have any specific characters in in mind I know we mentioned some sequences like in Final Fantasy 9 I actually have one so. go for it Go for it. Uh, Cecil in Final Fantasy IV, actually. I think Ooh, it's a pretty cheesy uh, example, but... Yeah. Not cheesy, this. you take that back. I, I am, I am, <laughs> this is this is really funny, because I'm playing through Final Fantasy IV right now. Oh. I am an anxious sort of person. I'm a very self-doubting sort of person. So to watch him question himself and be a Dark Knight and then eventually accept himself and become a paladin and help everyone around him, it's just very helpful and empowering to me to think of that that is a really good one it's like Mm -hmm. it's one of the first real examples isn't it i think of that kind of trope or storytelling um yeah i found cecil really interesting the first time i played through final fantasy 4 it's definitely not cheesy like it's definitely a sense of like he's overcome it and he's like he knows he's doing wrong in the beginning as well like he wants to right that wrong and he eventually does by proving himself so yeah, it's a redemption parent. story yeah and i think we kind of attract like are attracted to redemption arcs or even underdog stories at all times so yeah, I don't think it's cheesy at all to relate to something like that. Oh, no. I am now racking my brain. Yeah, same here. I always feel like I take parts from different characters yeah. and never wholly relate to That's singular. Natural. Yeah, I feel like... I mean, this is not necessarily mental health related or even like totally character related at all, but I... When I played through Time Spinner a couple of years ago for review, so this is not mental health related at all, apparently, um, I feel like Linnaeus is one of the first characters to properly articulate how I feel about my sexuality, which is something I have also struggled with. And, like, I'm not afraid, I'm not, like, I knew what it was, but, like, the media is not very good at portraying bisexual characters and that always kind of eats away 
at me and I'm always like, but I'm not like that. Does this mean I'm not that? You know, it always makes you doubt that you feel like you are, you're attracted to people the way that you are or however. I don't really think that bisexual is even the right label, quote unquote, but like, I know that I'm not, I know what I am. And Linnaeus comes along and I think there's one scene and you don't know anything about this beforehand. And someone's like, oh, you're into that? Or like not judgmental. And they ask her something like, oh, so who would you rather go out with or things like that? And Linnaeus is just like, I don't really care. I have no preference between men or women or whatever. And I don't really care. Or I can't remember the specific wording, but it was the kind of just, yeah, I'm this. And that was it. And I was like, okay, now somebody gets it. Like in 2018, somebody is wording how I would word my own opinion of, like, it, it helped me, like, understand why I felt the way that I did because I'm not really, like, it's an important thing and I tell people if they ever are curious um, or they ask, um, but it's not something that I've ever really addressed properly or, like, come to terms with until that point. Like, it was always kind of either a joke or a kind of a, like, oh, I'm this, but, you know, it's not a big deal kind of thing. But th And this is just kind of, like, put it into perspective for me. And, like, actually, it it's, I guess it's what kids say. Like, you want to see your, your, you want to see you represented in media. And that was my moment where I was like, oh, my God, there is, the representation is there for me. And I know I'm a cis female, um, so... It's, you know, obviously I don't have as many issues as any like other particular people, but it was still kind of gratifying that I, I had that kind of recognition in that way. And I would imagine that other people probably feel similarly about the way, like when they find a character in particular that they relate to when they get the representation they absolutely deserve. Um, so it helped a lot with that. Yeah, and, and I think that's a perfectly valid point to bring up in a discussion about self-care, mental health, and games, is that, you know, having some representation, mm -hmm. being able to think about your identity, and seeing things in, in a light that you value um, will contribute positively. Yeah, mm. I think it's even more important in a world where we... Uh, as a site, we generally are attracted to JRPGs and forward thinking representation or even like current thinking representation is not exactly a strength of the genre. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, if you look at something like Time Spinner, where it, it, it just like looks, I mean, it doesn't even look it in the face. It's just like they mention it and then you just like keep moving. Um, and I, I think that that means a lot um, to probably a lot of people who... Um, who are engaging with that game. And I think that probably brought some attention to that game positively too, which also shows that, Hey, representation can also bring you uh, more eyes, which I wish more developers would recognize. Yeah. It brings a community of people together. There are yeah. nice groups of people who want that and then they find this thing and then they bond over it and right. then they give each other suggestions for other things. And it is really good to see. And I totally agree. Like representation matters. And I get really sick and tired of people who tell me otherwise. And it's like, no, no, oh, yeah. It definitely matters. Like there's there's only one group of people who tell you representation doesn't matter. So yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm aware. Um, for for me, a character that I, I um, that I I've started kind of more recently to um, kind of identify with in a way is Aqua from Kingdom Hearts. That's good. Um, yeah, in like the way that she is, the sort of um, she's. This sort of 
in things like Birth by Sleep, she's a sort of stern, like kind of mother, motherly figure in some sort of way. Um, and like because of her actions and like the general wheels of the plot, she's brought to very literally a very dark place um, that she has to kind of wade through alone for years. Um, and that's something that really resonated with me because I felt that a lot of times I would push away um, actually dealing with my mental health um, and actually kind of looking it in the face or as Aqua does kind of looking it at it in the mirror. Um, and instead I would push that to the side and instead focus on just um, helping other people through their um, through their mental health crises, their um, their struggles in life, and of course, the cooperation and solidarity among people is so important. Mm-hmm. But um, but there needs to be that element of self care. And so, when I was playing these games and seeing Aqua uh, go through this, it kind of felt like she was the game. The game kind of, the game doesn't blame her for being in the game doesn't blame her for being in that place in this like basically realm of darkness um, in some way. Um, But she kind of understands that she's there because of things that she's actions that she's taken um, in her life. And it's, it was really strange. I wasn't expecting um, Kingdom Hearts to kind of get that right um, but I felt it did and maybe it wasn't even that they tried to do that I think that's just kind of what I'm picking up from it um, but it, I mean that's the thing with art though right it's it isn't necessarily about what the artist um, explicitly sought out to make but it's how you interact with it and I know with um, with being a musician when I when I write songs during that process, um, I'm writing them for myself. It's some sort of cathartic moment, but once it's released or once, um, other people are hearing it, it's not really mine anymore. It's however someone else wants to take it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Aqua's really good. Like, I mean, Kingdom Hearts is not subtle about any of its themes at all, but like I think Aqua <laughs> is extremely good. Like, yes, she is literally in this realm of darkness, but you've seen her go from this motherly character to being a Keyblade Master to trying to save her friends and failing. You see that mm-hmm. entire arc of her going right to the top and then falling and then going into this dark place. And as literal as it is, I think Aqua is probably the best written character in Kingdom Hearts in the entire series because they managed to do something really meaningful with her arc and she gets a tiny bit of spotlight in Kingdom Hearts 3 I'm disappointed with how they use her Um, I mean it still makes like the moment that she uh, is out like the most most you know what I mean I mean I think that (laughs) even the limited screen time she gets is still the best part of Kingdom Hearts 3 exactly yeah so I think she's a really well written female character as well in a game series that is notoriously terrible with Kyrie. Um, Yes. Yeah. So I think she's a real standout and like a reason that a lot of 
people have like been drawn to Aqua as a character because she, you know, you do see that out. You see her fall and you see her get back up and it's as easy as it is to see. It's really easy to relate to because everybody's been through that. It's something that everybody can go through in irrespective of when you play it or whatever. So I, I'm a big fan of Aqua. I think she's great. Well, we have Night on uh, Night in the Woods here, and I don't have a whole lot of thoughts on it. Um, I played it for a few hours, and that game um, felt too real to me. It <laughs> yeah, felt I've heard that, yeah. The characters um, felt too much like myself and people I've grown up with, That's and the town. Heard. Yeah, yeah. At like, I had to. Yeah, that was. That was one of of the past like two I think it was two years ago yeah like of the past two years that's one of the few games that I've set down because I was like I don't think I'm ready to um, I don't think I'm ready to engage with this yet and that's and I think that's something too is that a game might not hit you um, in a certain a game you might not be ready to engage with. Um, something that you feel is really difficult um and that's totally okay and that's totally understandable um and maybe it'll hit you at another point and maybe it and maybe you won't come back to it but it's important that these experiences and these stories are being told regardless yeah it it is because it might be really helpful for someone but i've heard that particularly about night in the woods too is that it hits you hard you have to watch your character make some big mistakes and relatable and that can be really really difficult it can yeah very uh, early on early on Sorry, yeah. very, very early on the character she's like hasn't played uh, her bass in a while and she tries to pick it up and you kind of mess it up because you yourself haven't played the bass in the game so you don't know the mechanics mm-hmm. and as someone who used to play bass, I was like, please don't do this to me. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah, I think in a similar way, that's why, like, I don't, there's not many characters like it, but when you come across, like, writer or poet characters or things like that, characters who want to write books or things, um, or want to go on adventures and write them down. Like, I always really struggle with that because I'm like, shoot, I didn't do this either. This is where I fell down. And I'm like, no, I can't. Oh, I no. can't. Like, I can't accept. Yeah, I, I've really struggled to get through them um, just because it's something I recognize in myself. And actually, Night in the Woods, I really want to play. But I know because I've seen some of the writing and I've seen how, like, you know, it's one of those games like Undertale. It kind of is kind of memed to death a little bit. But there's a reason because the writing is so human and those characters are so real that people like Joe have, you know, gone, played literally a couple of hours and gone, oh, my God. Like, you know, you've, you've been through those experiences, like right down to the bass playing kind of thing that you just it's too real and sometimes sometimes we need that but we need to be ready for that I think mm-hmm. yeah, we just need to be conscious of you know what we need so one of the last things that I kind of put on the docket to talk about is something about games that I've found personally really useful um, that isn't exactly so much in the writing or plot itself and that's just the way games can create a really good sensory environment. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're s- stressed or going through something, 
Um, some of my go-tos for that, I really like Ico Shadow of the Colossus, Last Guardian. Yeah. Um, you have cute animal friends, and the environment is just... It's minimalistic, but it's very, very breathtaking, and I found that those are things that I'm kind of drawn to if I just need to put myself at a more of an even keel. So... I encourage everyone to kind of maybe think about that when they're gaming a little bit. Think about, like, do I want to? Do I want a game that has a lot of green and <laughs> Do I want? Do I need something kind of motivating? Do I want something with upbeat music? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's why I'm probably drawn to the mana games or anything with extremely expressive pixel art or anything with really soft pastel colors. Like, I just find those things endearing and warm and like. I, I love the forest. Is it the Great Forest in Secret of Mana where it's the four seasons? And I would spend hours and hours grinding just going between the seasons because I just found it so nice. Like, there's <laughs> no other reason other than... And I'd also, like, grind up my magic there because that menu is so glitchy and it's so yep. easy to do. But it's a, it's a really nice place to do it. And, like, it's never... It's, I guess it's becoming more conscious now, but something I tend to bring up, even if it's brief, whenever I write a review, are the colors, because I always really am attracted to that kind of thing in video games. And like, I always really like expressive character models and soft color palettes and things. And I like it when colors are used to um, describe moods. And something I reviewed about a year and a bit ago, and really I should have talked about, is Florence, um, a mobile game, which I believe is now on Switch. about a girl and and her she's basically 25 26 and she meets a boy and falls in love with him and they move in together and in the space of an hour like they've been through their entire relationship course and um florence uses no dialogue and it uses Mm. it, it uses your touch and your sense and your actions to do things like you brush teeth by moving a toothbrush across the screen or you yeah. like guide her across a path and oh she's gosh. listening to music and the color in that game is really well done because the warmer scenes are either done in yellow or pink and then you've got like the sad scenes where they're arguing or where she's crying they're done in gray or blue and the music changes it's a dynamic soundtrack as well so like even though the tracks are separate you can buy the soundtrack on vinyl or you can go listen to it on Spotify or Bandcamp, which I recommend you do because it's really, really beautiful. Um, uh, I think it's Kevin Parkin is the name of the composer. Um, it changes and like it's only a piano and a, an acoustic guitar, um, but like those two instruments are really subtle and I'm a big fan of dynamic music anyway but I love it when it changes in tone with a mood not just a location so like when it drops or when it gets slower uh, you really feel it and I played Florence not long after I broke up from a long relationship and it hit me very very hard like I was like oh my god I was like I feel like this but it ends on a really positive note and it's like you know just as anybody you know one relationship is part of your life and you both move on and kind of things and there's it's never the end like a bad thing or a bad day a bad relationship it's never the end and even though it might feel like it at the time it uses art and color and music to kind of take you through that journey but also take you to the end and let you know that there are bright things there you know i think it ends on like a warmer yellowy kind of screen with florence getting a new job or moving away i can't quite remember but i just 
I find experiences like that extremely good because I yellow is a nice color I like colors very much and I enjoy looking at them and I think again going back to Secret of Mana and Trials of Mana and the way that their color palettes are so appealing to me is just because they are they feel like fantasy worlds that I would want to live in and like they're just cozy and they feel like places I would sit under one of those trees all day and just completely live my life away and I'm always drawn to really nice backgrounds and synesthetic kind of mm-hmm. visions like that so yeah, yeah I, I would say Mana's a good game to play if you want to like look at some good green scenery and Breath of the Wild Xenoblade is another one as well I would highly recommend because of how varied those locations are any of them I would say like they've all got very different worlds and even though they can be extremely stressful with their mechanics and how much is going on you can absolutely slow down and not do anything and take in the visuals because they're all really stunning that with that the music and the music yeah, all yeah. three of them is so yeah. good so yeah. yeah music is also a massive part of it yeah and it's it's just a really cool idea that we can think about those choices and maybe pick a game based on how we're feeling and yeah and joe's reference to greece as well actually like coloring the world Yep. I did not know that was what it was about. And now immediately I'm like, it looks so pretty, but it's also got meaning. And I like that. Again, you don't really see games that use color so explicitly and like in a meaningful way. Usually it's subtly, which I do really like, but that is a really nice way to kind of bring it to the forefront. And I think you were going to say something, Lucy? Oh, I was just going to add on another game that um, I actually didn't play. I watched other people play it, and um, it's been my game to go back to. Like, I've listened to the music constantly and just watched uh, Let's Plays of The Outer Wilds because (laughs) the music is just so comforting and like a warm blanket. And it's another game where, like, yeah, you die constantly, but that's not the bad thing. And it, mm-hmm. you could do all these horrible, ter- like you could do all these things that end up with uh, all sorts of terrible things happening. But it resets, and you get to try it again. And it feels like nothing you're doing is that terrible. It's yeah, it's errorless learning. You can do, you can mess up in whatever fantastic way you can think of. I, I remember one time, I was actually playing with, with another one of our staff members, and we're listening, and we hear our ship beeping, and I'm like, oh no, does that mean the ship is gonna and he didn't catch on quite as fast as I did. And, and it turns out the ship exploded. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, good to know. I didn't even know that the ship had an alarm system when it's damaged. Well, I thought it was particularly fun because I didn't know that this certain musical sequence meant the... Uh, Sun oh, was the going end of a sequence. The yeah. sun was going to explode, and I just thought it was the best music ever. And I'd come and listen to it, and be like, "Oh, we're dead." I'm like, "Huh?" But then, event, it was really funny to watch this, like, because as we were telling Lucy about this game, and she was seeing bits and pieces of it, she didn't quite get the context of this music, but the people actually playing the game would that music would start, and we're like, "Oh no." Oh no, we're out of time. And Lucy was just sort of like, what? But then eventually she caught on to it. And it's still a really like nice piece of music. But that that's a game is a really good example of kind of getting wrapped up in the environment and being mm. mistakes without fear. 
in terms of um, a sensory experience, I kind of the first thing that I think about are is um, is Final Fantasy VIII, but only very specifically. Um, <laughs> only very specific parts of that game because the rest of it stresses me out. Um, but but the, um, the the um, Balam Garden and its music and yeah. how how it just looks it looks like nothing else that I've ever seen in terms of its architecture and everything. And so it just gives me this um, this sort of like like an alien hope, I guess of. Like I, I can't I I can't even fathom a future like that, and that's what's so um, that's why I find so beautiful, and I kind of juxtapose that with um, Fisherman's Horizon, mm, yeah, good, um, awesome, yeah, which is like, which feels very religious. It feels very, um, it feels very kind of in touch with the um, with the world around it. Um, and the music just elevates that as well, and so mm. I, I kind of wish that that Final Fantasy was just Balam Garden and Fisherman's Horizon. <laughs> uh, um, but <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. Um, but you but, can still go to those specific spots, maybe if you need like a break or need to see either of those things. <laughs> yeah, but then I'd have to use the battle system. <laughs> not in the remaster you don't that's true yeah, yeah. that's true <laughs> actually Final Fantasy 8 is a really weird one because that game has so many different varied locations and they all mm-hmm. feel so different like who expected Esther like honest to god, oh god yeah. what on earth like Final Fantasy 8 as a weird game that I have a lot of love for but I completely get that it's so bizarre and stressful is a really good word to use to describe it because yeah. like what the f is going on half the time like mm-hmm. it's yeah i've i think that's a really cool comparison actually fisherman's horizon always makes me smile the i really like timber as well because that also feels mm-hmm. a bit more down to earth than that you've got like dollet in the other big town with the end of disc one which that feels like very very normal like that feels like a place i could go to now i could get on the train and i would come out and be like oh yeah look there's the galbadia hotel or things like that and mm-hmm. oh yeah but um then you've got like the lamb garden which is a literal airship with a school on it like <laughs> what is going on <laughs> yeah, <there you have. laughs> i love ff8 though it's so stupid <laughs> So, one of the other things we wanted to cover quickly is um, some concepts relating to mental health first aid that Lucy researched for us. Important thing to note when we're talking about mental health is always to um, know that games and um, are great for self care, but you know they don't replace. Um, you know, important aspects of talking to um, professionals, making sure is that you have support uh, uh, strategies in place. Games can be part of that, but they can't be your only um, piece. Um, 
There are some great resources at the National Institute of Mental Health, as well as uh, Mental Health First Aid. Um, if you are at all interested in actually um, becoming certified in uh, Mental Health First Aid, they actually offer classes that you can uh, take um, to help uh, one recognize signs uh, in others and also to provide supports and strategies uh, for others to reach uh, professional resources. Um, so those are just two options that uh, are out there. Um, but, you know, games are an important part of making sure for a lot of people that um, they can get through hard times and have that little extra bit of uh, as Joe put it, uh, dopamine to make it through the day and help you feel a little bit better about yourself. And that's sometimes all you need, but to also realize that there are other re um, resources out there for you if you need them. No, I think that's a very good point, a good starting place, um, because it is... It is a process, and games can definitely be a powerful part of your toolkit, but it's, it's important to realize that this is a big job, and it involves recognizing when you might be going through some hard times. It involves finding the correct resources for you, and time in a lot of cases, too. Yeah, thanks, thanks for that. So, listeners, we also would like to hear from you. We'd like to encourage you, if you have specific games or experiences that you'd like to share, please let us know. Um, you can email us at retro at rpgfan.com and share. We'd love to hear from you. Um, and so I think we're just about at time, so does anybody have any other closing thoughts? I don't think so, no. I think we've been pretty thorough and of course like we're only one subset of people who play video games on rpg fan and worldwide and of course like we've already said like you've already said um people are more than encouraged to talk and let us know what they do and play or think or you know how they experience video games and mental health and how they deal with their own issues um you don't have to be personal it just like let us know and because talking is really good i know some people find it really hard but even like you can even email us anonymously or things like that if you want to um but yeah i found it really eye-opening um i always do and i always think to myself more like i i love sharing video game experiences and the more i've gotten more i've played and the older i've gotten the more talking about playing video games actually helps me like it's nice to have a group of people most of my childhood I didn't really have many friends who played video games and now I've got like a big group of people mm -hmm. and then you just yep. chip in and you ask them oh how's it going like what are you playing oh you're playing this how are you finding it and then if you know what they're playing and they're stuck then you can help them out and it's just nice to have a community and I think even if you I, I would find it hard that people wouldn't play video games and at least relate to something or find something that they find difficult nowadays but like even if you don't I think that people will find it really satisfying to talk to other people about the video games they play if they want to if that's something they feel comfortable with it's always nice to share experiences regardless of whether they are personal or oh i beat this boss the other day and did this and it's always like it's nice to share experiences yeah. you can share no matter victories what. you can commiserate yeah. you can community is really important and we want to keep keep that open for people who want to share yeah mm. the important thing to also note is that you're not alone in this yeah mm -hmm. there's always people who are wanting to hear from you and that uh, there's always somebody out there who's more than happy to talk to you. 
Yeah, that's a good thing, on. So let's go around and um, maybe say where everyone can be reached. Um, let's start with you, Joe. Uh, so I'm on RPG Fan social media, so uh, I'm one of the people who uh, posts and will be replying to you. Um, in terms of personal stuff, I changed my uh, my kind of handles and stuff like that, so you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Discord as at Eva Least. Great. And how about you, Zach? Uh, you can email me at ZachW at RPGFan.com, or you can reach me on Discord at ZachW. Wonderful. All right. Lucy. Um, I am Jess Idris, J-E-S-I-D-R-E-S, at Twitter and Tumblr. Um, and, yeah. Hey, Alana? Oh, I am at Alana Hags on Twitter. Great. And the best way to reach me, I'm Hillary Andruff. Um, Hillary A at RPGFan.com, or I'm EP Fire on Discord. Um, and just as a matter of housekeeping, uh, I want to talk. I mentioned the retro at rpgfan.com email. Please use that. We like feedback. Don't forget to rate us on your preferred po- podcasting platform. Um, and in terms of upcoming episodes, um, we have two episodes upcoming on Soul Blazer later this month. I'm really excited about those. Oh yeah, other three coming in May. So, oh my god, <laughs> that is a game we did not talk about. That definitely yeah. hit some soft, like some points. Yeah, definitely. Having I never played them, I haven't played it yet. <laughs> yeah, no, I've not played it. But uh, part of the course for Mother, uh, it's it's hard sometimes. Like personally, God, it goes places. It, yeah, yeah, that's a good description of that series. It goes places. <laughs> it goes places. Sometimes outer space is those spaces. Well, thank you so much again, everyone, um, for joining in, and I hope that we'll make this an ongoing conversation. And I hope you all have will continue to find games helpful and maybe found something meaningful here too. Um, thanks, everyone. Good night and good luck. Bye.